welcome everyone to this hour of worship with Faith Church in Elmhurst. Please be sure to be checking our weekly bulletins online for ministry updates and for prayer and praise items in the church family. If you want to get the bulletin at your home, just contact the church office and they'll mail you the weekly bulletin. There's a save the date in the bulletin that that we want to highlight today. Uh, The Faith Reopening Team has scheduled uh, what we're calling a soft opening for in-person worship uh, for Thursday, July 16. For that date, you'll be able to reserve one of the 50 spaces available to join in that service. Details on, on how and when to make your reservation, as well as required security and safety protocols uh, for those who attend are going to be coming up soon, so just keep an eye out for that information. Our call to worship comes from the first two verses of Psalm 84, appropriate for these days when we're not meeting physically all together. Let's listen. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Friends, brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right now, we're going to open up our service with uh, a great hymn of praise. Let's worship our God from the heart and with our voices.
it's appropriate for us when we enter into worship our holy God that we confess our sins. We're going to spend a little time doing that this morning, confessing our sins, hearing God's words of assurance, and then also hearing a word about our call in response, our call to holy living. The confession of sin is a prayer that we're going to do together. I invite you to join in with me at the appropriate spot. Let's pray. God of mercy, you sent Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive our sin. Return us to the paths of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Listen to these words of assurance from the Heidelberg Catechism. This is question and answer 56. I believe that God, because of Christ's atonement, will never hold against me any of my sins nor my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, in His grace, God grants me the righteousness of Christ to free me forever from judgment. Thanks be to God. Now listen to these verses from Ephesians 5 uh, that give us a a look at how we are to live. Uh, There are many of these in the New Testament that are basically applications of God's law, applications of, of, of the Ten Commandments. Here we read in Ephesians 5, verse 8 and following, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. We're going to sing together of of the saving and gracious love of our God through Jesus.
please join me in our congregational prayer. Lord, we lift you up this morning. We are so grateful to worship with you again today, this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, bless us, we pray. Thank you for this good day. Help us to focus on you, Lord, to keep our hearts and minds focused on you. Uh, we lift up uh, Faith CRC to you, Lord. We pray for Greg and Matthew both. We pray that you would fill them both with your spirit. Help them to continue leading and guiding our congregation, Lord. Uh, we're so grateful for these men. Uh, thank you for those who serve. We lift up Jan and Donna and Al Tobin and Pat Tobin and Joy and Sarah, Lord, many others who give their time and talent our worship group up here with us right now even. Uh, bless them, we pray. Help them to persevere, not to grow weary. Uh, Lord, we lift up our congregation to you. We think of John and Judy Veltzma still, and Tara Quarta, Jim and Marge Van Campen, and Al and Jenny Vandershoot. Uh, Lord, so many others who need you. We know Wendy Van Dam had surgery today, even, Lord. Uh, be with her as she heals. Be with those who are uh, missing loved ones. We think of Ruth and Tara Quarter, again, the Quarter family. Be with Bob Lanning and Ray Medell. Uh, Lord, so many families still, Pete and Nancy. Their wounds are still fresh. So uh, heal them, we pray. Comfort them. Help us to love each other, Lord, to uh, show the world that we belong to you. Lord, we, we are, you know, we're sinful people. Forgive us our sins. Help us to turn back to you when we do sin. Uh, we're grateful for you, Lord, our, your scriptures, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for uh, uh, guiding us and keeping us true to your word. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. of the Lord. 
even what the enemy even what the enemy means for evil you turn it for our good you turn it for our good and for your glory even in the valley you are faithful you're working for our good you're working for our good Hello again, Faith CRC. Uh, Council wanted to give you an update, an offering update uh, again. The deacons continue to thank you for your giving. Uh, the congregation has been great about continuing to give uh, to the church and its needs. Uh, thank you for the benevolence fund giving you've been doing. That's up, I believe, now over $30,000. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for that. And we do ask if anyone's in need, please do reach out. Uh, and we'd be uh, happy to assist you with financial needs at this time. Uh, the education fund, we've seen giving there. That's been wonderful, too. The uh, Timothy Christian fund, we still have some uh, 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 ground to make up there. So please continue to give towards Timothy if, uh, if that, the Lord puts that on your heart. And uh, I think that's it in terms of general fund. Thank you for your uh, giving to the general fund as well. Uh, next up, please take a look at this video. We have a video from our missionaries, the Bursmas, who are in the Philippines, and they've shared a, a little video update with us today. Thank you. Hello, we're the Bursmas. My name is Peach, and these are my sisters, Laura, Hi. Kate, Hi. and Tessa. Hello. We've been missionaries in the Philippines for 18 years now, and we wish we could come and see you in person this summer, but since we can't travel right now, spent 16 years as church planters on a remote island, uh, Catanduanes. Two years ago, we moved to Manila. God called us here, and in that time, I become film director. Really, it's a job that both of us do, and we do a lot with a lot of other missionaries, casting vision. We want to reach all the people in the Philippines and see God plant his church in the Philippines. We're passionate to see that happen. Yeah, so you might wonder a little bit about what we do. Um, we do some of the administrative work that has to happen so that mission work can go forward here in World Team in the Philippines. Um, we've been helping our workers uh, meet new challenges, especially during the pandemic. But even before that, we want to 
praying for us, uh, that you're supporting our work, that your hearts are also with what God is doing here in the Philippines, that just continues to be a blessing even in uncertain times. We want to thank you guys, our family at Faith. Thank you for partnering with us for these many years so that we can be here. This is a work together with you guys so that the kingdom is, is growing here, the church is growing, Filipino lives, families, and communities are being transformed by the gospel. Thank you guys so much. I like the Bursmas. They have four daughters, and so do I. And even besides that, uh, maybe you've met them before. I remember having a good conversation with Tom and Kristen a number of times over the years. They were here maybe in the last couple of years. Tom and Kristen are just a wonderful couple, um, so dedicated to the mission that they're called to there in the Philippines. So we want to be lifting them up in our prayers regularly like our other missionaries. Our scripture reading uh, is 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. We're continuing in this book under the theme, Christ's Coming and Workaday Living. Before we go to God's word, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless uh, the reading and the hearing of your word uh, through the work of your Holy Spirit in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives, in our church. For Jesus' sake, amen. Let's listen together to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. This is God's holy and infallible word. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, We've been given this powerfully encouraging word in 1 Thessalonians that believers will abound in grace in our workaday living and in our trials. 
It's not that we'll just barely make it through, survive. It's not even only that we will thrive as believers, but we will overflow with grace. We will abound. God supplies us with so much grace that we have plenty to share with those around us. Paul, who writes this letter of 1 Thessalonians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, carries that incredible reality forward by showing us three ways that we abound as believers. We abound with personal sexual purity. We saw that a few times ago. We abound with love in the church and we abound with integrity as we live in the world. Most recently, we saw how believers will certainly abound all the way to the end. We're going to abound until we see Jesus face to face. And we get a picture of Jesus' return at the end of chapter 4. We start today in our verses with something we noticed last time about Jesus coming back. That no one knows the day or the hour of his return. Here we read, right in the first verse of chapter 5, about times and dates we do not need to write to you because he will come like a thief in the night. In other words, unexpectedly. Then, as we continue on, we're shown how to live in light of Christ's coming. And we're given two ways, two options. And this is kind of like the... You know, Jesus in the Gospels, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the two ways, the broad way, the broad gate, and the narrow. Today in our verses, carrying through that idea of abounding, we're going to talk about the two responses to Jesus coming like this. It's the difference between those who are floundering and those who are abounding. Two options, two choices of living in light of Jesus coming. Floundering, abounding. And our verses lay out the two choices in a very helpful way. And they invite us to ask the question whether we're abounding or floundering in the very various areas of our life, the various areas of life that are described here. We're shown, this is, so this is basically the difference between an unbelieving approach to life, those who are floundering, struggling on that broad, easy path, versus the approach of faith, those who are abounding, who are on going through the narrow gate, on the narrow path. And it's because even people of faith, let me back up, it's the path of faith, the path of unbelief, the distinctions. But it's more than that. It's more than just that for us. Because even people of faith, we as people of faith, as believers, we can fail to abound all the time, right? We're not always abounding. There are aspects of and there are times in each of our lives that we can tend to flounder. There are things that throw you for a loop, that make you trip up 
even as you're walking along the path of life, wanting to trust in Jesus all the way, calling on his name. And so for the pictures of floundering that we have here, we should ask, even as a believer, where might that particular characteristic still be in my life? Is this an area where Satan or the world attacks me still and I tend to fall? Does this yet creep into my life? On the other side, those pictures of abounding life will show us how the spirits can help us embrace the way of grace more and more and even better. So we're going to go forward and and look at the contrasts in the verses we read. The first one is, uh, we are not stunned but vigilant. Some will be stunned and surprised when Jesus returns. Others are going to be vigilant, watching and waiting. We talk about a deer in in the headlight, right? Have you, has anybody actually ever seen that? on a dark road in the, out in the country or wherever, or even around here. So the deer will stop and stare at the headlights of a car coming toward them. You can see their eyes shining. And the odd thing is, they're totally frozen. They cannot pull themselves out of danger. And that's how any number of people are going to be when Jesus returns. Sadly, I'm reading a devotional before bed these days by Billy Graham. And for June 20, which was last weekend, I believe, he shared how a university student once asked him, what has been the greatest surprise in your life? What do you think Billy Graham would have said? What's been the greatest surprise in your life. He actually came up with the answer very quickly, he said, and he answered this, the brevity of life. And he says, almost before we know it, the years pass and life is near its end. And maybe some of us have that same experience. Almost any person that I've talked to who are in their senior years, who I've had any sort of in-depth conversation with, has shared with me the exact same thing. And for all of us, as the years go on, we begin to notice how fast they fly by. Sarah and I uh, recently thought again uh, of how when we came here, our oldest of those four daughters, Olivia, had just turned two. And none of our other kids were born yet. We were 27 and 28 years old, and now Olivia is just about to turn 20. It's hard to believe how fast time goes. Billy Graham quotes James 4.14 in the same devotional, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Those who are abounding in grace in light of Jesus coming, get this. That he is coming. We're looking to that day. We're getting ready for it. And and those who take the other path flounder 
in the sense that they're failing to prepare. They live and act like life is just going to go on and on as it is. That they have all the time in the world. That they can live however they please and that one day in the future they'll think about getting their spiritual house in order. But our lives will be over like a snap of the fingers in light of eternity that's before us. And so we want to be sure that as we live in this very brief life of ours, that we are living for eternity. For those who don't believe, we read they're going to be caught by surprise, like a thief in the night. And then like sudden labor pains on a pregnant woman, says the Bible. If I spend too much time on that particular picture of a woman in labor, I'm going to get in trouble. In fact, I did get myself in trouble when Sarah was in labor with Olivia. But I learned from my mistake, uh, when you're no authority on pregnancy or labor pains, if you're not sure what to say, just keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I don't always learn quickly, but I will say I never got in trouble again during the births of our other children. Those who don't believe, we also read think everything is okay, they're going to be fine, and it will always be that way. Peace and safety, they say in verse 3, when in fact destruction is coming on them suddenly if they haven't put their faith in Jesus. How might we live like that even as believers? Well, well, one, one way is to be thinking that we have all the time in the world to share Jesus with people. When we don't, our message is urgent. One day it will be too late. Our life, our own life, might be over soon. That person in your life who needs to know the Lord, their life might be over soon. Jesus might return before any of that. And in all those cases, time will have run out for those who need to hear the good news and the truth of the Lord and His grace. This also speaks to the urgency of our mission as a church. We're not here to mess around. What are we spending our time talking about together in conversations with fellow members of the church family, in in meetings We are here to bring the good news of God's grace in Jesus to as many people as we can. This is the work we're called to. This is not a time for sitting on our hands. And so, how are you sharing the gospel? How are you contributing to building up God's church so that we can be more effective at faith in this urgent task that we've been given? John 9, 4 says, John 9, verse 4 says, and Graham quotes this in that devotional too, the night is coming when no one can work. In other words, that great end time harvest is getting closer. Are we doing the work while we still can? Are we planting the seed of God's word in as many ways as we can? Are we fervently praying for response and for God to make our part in the work clear. 
Our verses use a second contrast. They talk about those who will be asleep versus those who will be awake. You remember the name Bernie Madoff? Biggest Ponzi scheme in history? He admitted to defrauding people of $64 billion. $64 billion over the years. Almost exactly 11 years ago, on June 29, 2009, he was sentenced to 150 years in prison, which was the maximum sentence for someone his age. Authorities believe that he was doing this already back in the 1970s. Can you imagine living like that for decades and doing that? Lulled into sort of the sleep of complacency that, that he was getting away with it and that he would continue to get away with it, thinking that? Living in luxury. I don't know how he lived. Sipping, sipping champagne celebrating his, his genius and, and scheme. The day he was found out must have been a very rude awakening. Likewise, says the Bible, it's going to be a rude awakening for those who don't acknowledge the truth that Jesus is coming and that we will be held accountable for all things that we've done or left undone. These days we're talking about um, instances, major instances of injustice in our society and how to hold people accountable when that injustice happens. Even while we work for that, that's a good thing, even while we do that though, the Bible assures us that at Jesus' coming, there will be final justice for all the wickedness that goes unpunished in this life and in this world. A third contrast in our verses. Those who abound don't live in darkness, but live in the light. Not in the dark, but in the light. To be a pastor, you have to take a number of classes, but you also have internships. Like any number of careers, you have to do internships, right? Where you're actually doing the work practicing the work under supervision of what you'll be doing when you go out on your own. One of my internships was a summer assignment, they call them, 10 weeks or so in a vacant church, a church without a pastor, during the summer. And that the church that I did that in was Bundy Christian Reformed Church in Bundy, Minnesota. Literally, Bundy had four or five houses and the church, literally, and it was two hours like straight west of the Twin Cities. It was a wonderful summer, a wonderful church, wonderful people uh, who really liked to tease. At one of the church picnics early on, um, an elder of the church saw Sarah take a half slice. You know how you can take a smaller slice of two desserts, which is a, a great way to go. You don't have to choose. But she took a half slice of two desserts, and the rest of the summer, her nickname was Two Desserts Sarah. We considered that summer in Bundy our honeymoon because it was just half year after we got married. One evening during those 10 weeks, we were invited over to supper 
like we were from time to time by church members, right? Um, and this was a supper at the Myers. Herm Meyer had a hog farm, and we had a, a classic meal that you'd expect, meat, gravy, potatoes, vegetables, dessert. We hung out for a while, and then we drove home. No kids yet. We're just married, and so we could stay pretty late. And it was dark when we left. You don't know dark until you've been in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, surrounded by fields, no street lights. For the fun of it, as we're driving along, I, I popped off the car lights just to see what it would look like. Probably wasn't the brightest thing to do, actually. It was pitch. And I mean pitch, scary, black. Something I very rarely ever experienced. What, what, if I, what if I kept those lights off? Well, we would have certainly gone into a ditch. All those roads, before you hit the fields, they were ditches. We would have certainly gone into the ditch. We would have crashed the car. But honestly, that's how people are living today who do not know Jesus who aren't living in light of his coming. They're driving at 70 miles an hour in the pitch dark, headed for a crash. But then I popped the lights back on and, and suddenly we could see. It was safe with those headlights piercing into the black of night. It was a little scary, yet looking in the fields around us, no lights there, but we could see the road we needed just fine to make it safely home back to the parsonage. We're also safe spiritually when we follow Jesus, the light of the world. He lights our path, and, and, and if we stick on it, we'll be okay in the midst of the world's darkness. Paul talks in our verses, and I think it was pretty early on, verse 2, about the day of the Lord. That's a special term you read about more often in the Bible. And he's talking about that day of the Lord is the return of Jesus at the end of time. When we live with that day, his return, the day of the Lord in mind, preparing for it, knowing that it's coming, it illumines everything in your life. It lights your path. When that day comes, so many people are going to find themselves so far off the road, it will be unimaginable. It's going to be a disaster. They'll be at the edge of a cliff or already over it. Now, for we who believe, where are the places in your heart and life that you tend to keep hidden, that you kind of tend to keep in the dark? Where, where do you need, in other words, to allow the light of Jesus coming to shine in your life, in your heart, so that you can follow his path clearly until he returns? Fourth contrast, the Bible here urges us not to be filled with spirits, but with the Spirit. We read about people getting drunk in the night, but that instead we should be self-controlled, putting on faith and love and hope. And those four words should sound familiar. Those are four of the fruit of the Spirit that 
Paul talks about regularly in his letters. We know that alcohol sales have skyrocketed with with COVID. Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Or are we filling ourselves with alcohol to the point of drunkenness like so many people do? John Payton was a Scottish missionary in the South Pacific during the 1800s. Once a wealthy friend invited him to dinner, and Peyton noticed that the man's servant, it was a servant, we're going to have to whitewash this story or history somehow, but Peyton noticed that the man's servant poured a glass of whiskey for his host. A little embarrassed in front of the missionary, the man explained himself, I, I take a little whiskey for my cough. It's, it's my doctor's prescription for the cough. Well, Peyton said, well, how long have you been doing this? Eight years, came the reply. Peyton asked, is your cough getting any better? No, answered the man. Well, said the missionary, if I had a doctor who prescribed something for me for eight years and it didn't help me, I'd quit taking his prescriptions and I'd get a new doctor. Ann Landers once said, people who drink to drown their sorrow should be told that sorrow knows how to swim. Another contrast, this is our our fifth one, those who abound in light of Jesus' coming, believers, are not exposed to God's wrath, but they're protected with his armor. Not exposed, but protected with the armor of God. Paul writes more about the armor of God in a really wonderful passage in Ephesians 6. But here he talks about our breastplate and our helmet. Those not protected with the armor of God are going to be vulnerable to the devil's schemes, to their own sinful nature and vulnerable to the world, and ultimately, as a result, are going to suffer God's wrath for sin. But those who abound in the Lord are strong in him and in his mighty power as we put on the full armor of God. Using the word exposed, we we talk about being exposed to the elements. And that that kind of makes me think of, of plane passengers coming in from Florida wearing in the winter, wearing shorts, standing outside, O'Hare, Midway, waiting for their ride in the sleet and snow, all cold and shivering. And it's like, you see these people, and it's like, what did you expect? Did you not prepare at all? Do you enjoy being freezing cold? Because I don't. Also, the Bible indicates that many who have not prepared for Jesus' coming are going to be left exposed. And in this case, we read, exposed to the wrath of God at the end of time. But those who know the Lord will put on his armor and be protected, certainly. Six, finally, you don't get the privilege of too many six-point sermons, but here you got one. Finally, some people are just drifting along in life, but those who believe who abound, we are anchored. So we're not drifting, but we're anchored. We're anchored in what Paul talks about at the end of our verses. We're anchored in the finished work of Jesus. 
Salvation, says Paul, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we may live together with him. Then we are secure in this life, and more importantly, we're secure for the next. We're anchored rather than set adrift by every false teaching or trial that comes our way. There's an old hymn called, We Have an Anchor, and sometimes it's called, Will Your Anchor Hold? I want you to listen to some of the lyrics. Consider. The verses ask questions, so let these be questions to you. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Next verse. Will your anchor hold in the floods of death when the waters cold chill your latest breath? On the rising tide you can never fail while your anchor holds within the veil. In the final verse, will your eyes behold through the morning light the city of gold and the harbor bright? Will your anchor safe by the heavenly shore? Will you anchor safe by the heavenly shore when life's storms are past forevermore? And then hear the refrain of this hymn as a word of God's grace to you, okay? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Dear friends, Jesus loves you so much. Keep up the journey that God has ordained for you. And in the Spirit, continue to abound in grace. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, in our verses and in a few other places in the Bible, we see two different ways of living, two different approaches to life, and here two different approaches to the fact that um, Jesus is coming. He's returning. Help us uh, to more and more live abounding as we wait for his coming and to more and more put aside the ways that we're floundering. Oh Lord, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit in all of this. And so we ask for his presence in our life to change us by your word, even as we've heard it today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing uh, together in response to God's word uh, three verses of the solid rock. Let's do that right now, giving praise to our God.
um, the parting blessing today, I'd like to share here and now in, in this time we're having together in this service what I shared um, in the bulletin and by Faith's email last week. Dear Faith Church family, in conversations with the Faith elders, it's become clear um, that I should be open to receiving a call to go somewhere else. The elders feel it best if Hannah, Sophia, and Adriana can finish the upcoming school year at Timothy, since Hannah's entering 12th grade this year and, and Sophia's entering 8th, so they'll both be having a graduation in a year from now, the Lord willing. In the meantime, I'm going to con- be continuing my pastoral duties at Faith, and I'm going to be making inquiries to discern where God is calling me next. Sarah and I are open to wherever God is going to call us. Sarah and I have been blessed in in so many ways to serve at Faith CRC these past years. We've made so many amazing friendships with so many of you and so many truly special, special pastoral relationships with so many of you that we're never, ever going to forget. You've walked with us in our times of joy and in our trials, and we've walked with so many of you in good times and in hard times, all while standing on the promises of our God and on the promises of His Word. We've received so much encouragement and support and love and care while pastoring here over the years, from the church leadership to the congregation. We're looking forward to the time that we're yet going to have together as we now begin to search for our next chapter in ministry. As always, we really covet the prayers of this congregation. Thank you so much, and please receive this parting blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, now and forever. Amen.